In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. I am uh, Canon Lang Lowry, and my official title is Canon for Christian Enterprise. I'm betting you have not heard that one before. Yet, because I work outside of the presiding bishop's office and the diocesan office is here, where I predominantly do uh, finance, uh, real estate, and business development, um, and because my job is uh, creating uh, magic or mischief, most people just call me the loose cannon. So you may call me that if you like. Now, one of my um, really treasured responsibilities as the loose cannon is ECF. Uh, ECF serves the poor and oppressed in middle and north Georgia, and the acronym actually used to mean Episcopal Charities Foundation, but now it really means Episcopal Community Foundation. I want to explain why the name change in a bit, but first I wanted to introduce Lindsay Hardegree, our executive director, who is with me today, and she'll be speaking at the adult ed hour, and we certainly hope you'll come to listen to that presentation. I want to thank Simon for inviting us to All Saints today. I warned him, however, that it would be a daring act to leave town and put me in the pulpit. Usually when this happened, the rector comes back and finds the congregation, just like my son and daughter-in-law do when they leave their children with me, they find that they're all hyped up on sugar and disoriented. So brace yourselves. But I do come today with some incredibly good news. Lindsay and I want to give you money. Now, I know you're more spirited than that. <laughs> Lindsay and I come to give you money. Okay. There is a catch. You know, there's always that small print that comes with good news. And I'll get to that also in a moment. But please know the primary reason we're here is that we are here to give all saints a big check. Now, today's gospel is named Jesus' first sermon in Nazareth. Frankly, this is a bit of a feeble title. It really should read more like or be subtitled, Hometown Boy Jesus, Son of Local Carpenter, Steps into the Pulpit at Synagogue, names himself Messiah, and then rejects his hometown. That's really what this gospel is about today. Unfortunately, the full text of that sermon just precedes today's gospel and is not included, nor does it highlight the drama that must have accompanied today's gospel. Just imagine. Just imagine Jesus, a Jewish layman, is given the second reading and homily in the synagogue. In the immediately preceding verse, it says that Jesus read Isaiah. By the way, he picked that one. That was not in the lectionary. And that reading proclaimed that the wealthy will have woes and the poor and oppressed shall be blessed. And oh, by the way, there's one more thing. Jesus adds, oh, this year should be proclaimed a jubilee year when all bank debt, all credit card debt, and all student loans should be forgiven. Can you imagine? That is the message 
of today's gospel. Can you imagine a guest preacher like me has the gall to come into the synagogue, sit in Moses' pulpit, prophesy, quoting Isaiah, and then declare that everyone sitting in the nave like you will be excluded from God's blessing because they did not hear nor heed God's word. Now, unfortunately for us, reading so many years later, this rebuke looks a little subtle, but do look at verse 25 where Jesus says that there were many widows in Israel, but Elijah was sent to none of them except the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. That's where all that happens. Ouch. There were many widows in Israel, but Elijah and now Jesus are sent not to faithful Jews, but rather, most likely, a poor, oppressed Phoenician woman who worshipped the god Baal. Yet, regardless of her religion, this widow was open to Jehovah's word and was faithful and well-intentioned. She did not seek exclusiveness, but inclusiveness. She did not seek charity she sought justice. All those in the synagogue heard it loud and clear that neither Jews or now, say, us Christians, who are not open to the prospect of sharing in the bounty of God's deliverance, will be unable to receive it themselves. And there's that postscript, nor will those who do not seek justice for the poor and oppressed in society Will they be included in the kingdom of God? Of course, we shouldn't be too surprised at this message. It's paradigmatic of Jesus' life and ministry. We hear it virtually every Sunday. But it should be a reminder that God's grace is never subject to the limitations and boundaries of any people, of any nation, or any religion. The net of it is that those who exclude others, and especially God's favorites, the poor and oppressed, could be excluded themselves. Now, when I was a young boy, my family lived in Austin, Texas. My dad's company went belly up, so we moved to Decatur, where my mother was from. I have to admit, it was a hard transition for our family, many of who decided to move with us because we were hardcore Texans. We didn't know anything about Georgia. Yet we were also hardcore 1928 prayer book Episcopalians. So what do we do? On our first day, our first Sunday in Atlanta, we went to St. Bartholomew's Church on La Vista Road. You know where that is? The rector was Austin Ford, who recently passed, by the way. Father Ford made the announcement there would be no newcomers' coffee that day because the parish was going to do a march downtown for civil rights. He did say, however, that all newcomers were welcome on the march. All newcomers needed to do was stay after church, and the church van would take them to the march and then again bring them back to the church at 4 p.m. Now, my father was more of a, you know, talk-to-talk Christian, one of those. Yet my paternal grandfather was more of a walk-the-walk Christian who wanted to hear and heed the word of Christ. 
So it didn't surprise us that he decided he was going to go on the march. He's a newcomer, first day in town. So after church, we said goodbye to him. He got in the church van, and we went home. And at 4 o'clock, we came back, arrived at St. Bart's, but there was no granddad. After an over-hour wait, there was still no granddad, so we went home. As we arrived home, my mother came running out to the car to say that my grandfather had called to say that he was arrested and in jail. And, oh, by the way, tell my dad to bring $200 down to come bail him out. Now, this was our first Sunday in Atlanta, and my dad was a bit peeved. He kept mumbling something like, I wanted to make a better impression on Atlanta, you know, your granddad's been arrested. Now, by the time we got to jail, I could see my dad was getting pretty mad. But he paid the bailiff. We all walked back to the car. No one said anything. But I knew something was getting ready to happen. My granddad was Scottish, and when he got anxious, his face turned beet red. And I have to tell you, his face was as beet red as I'd ever seen it. The second we got in the car, my grandfather bursted out with emotion and yelled, this is the best newcomer program I have ever attended. I told Father Ford in the jail cell that we're all joining his church. I come by it naturally, I'm just saying. One of the reasons why we changed the name of ECF from Episcopal Charities Foundation to Episcopal Community Foundation is because actually the word charity seemed not to capture what Jesus seems to be saying in the gospel. The new community foundation, the Episcopal Community Foundation, would rather focus on social justice and get out in front of the conditions that require charity before before the need for charity occurs in the first place. So when Lindsay and I say we want to give you money, we do not mean that we want to give you money for mere charity. But rather we want to give you money to start or innovate or expand ministries that will eliminate the root cause of charity. Yet there is a catch. There's always a catch. It's not my catch, it's not Lindsay's catch, it's a biblical catch. You actually must do something in order to get something. In other words, you have to innovate that new social justice ministry. Or show, if your charity can make difference in the world, in order to get an ECF grant. Now, I say this, but you know this already, in the past two years, more than 10% of ECF's grant funding has gone to support ministries right here at All Saints. 10% of our grants have come right here to All Saints. We have made grants for Midtown Assistance, for the Grocery Ordering Program. We have provided vocational funding for New American Pathways. We've granted startups for lost and found youth. And we have also funded recently the SOAP project, which is to raise awareness about human trafficking, which, by the way, is especially poignant 
considering today's Super Bowl event, which attracts more sex buyers, more sex buyers than any other event in the world. You also have helped us support Hunger Walk, and for that, we also are very grateful. We want to invest more money at All Saints, yet there's also that fine print, and here it comes, get ready. We need you to help us increase our endowment so that we can continue to grant more and more money like we have the last few years. So, please do consider participating in our annual funds and help us find ways to help others. We do not have any parishioners. We don't receive funds from, you know, any corporate sponsors, but it's just people like you who appreciate and want to serve the poor and oppressed in middle and north Georgia. Now, before I sign off, I promised you to get you all hyped up on sugar. So before I leave, I want to just say that I teach at Emory at Candler School of uh, Theology. And every week, my colleagues and I get together and we talk about the lectionary gospel. Now, I've heard some say that both the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, perform resurrections. Have you ever heard that before? Remember the widow of Zarephath's son and respectively on the son of the Shunammite woman? Well, I'm here to tell you, no, they did not conduct resurrections. They conducted resuscitations. So, I'm here to say in the Bible, only Jesus does resurrections, and hopefully this will cause enough theological debate in this parish so when Simon comes back, he can explain all that to you. So that's the sugar. That's the hot potato I leave for you to talk to Simon when he comes back. You need to give him a heads up. My friends, if there's one thing that I have come to know about the church, just one thing, is that the point of the church is not the church itself but that it acts as a community that preaches and teaches and serves and witnesses the reign of God. That's what we do. And we must remember that God needs the church only when we are helping God do God's work. And mission and outreach to the poor and oppressed is at the core of this work. I think without it we are but noisy gongs or clanging cymbals. So thank you Thank you for your ministry to the poor and oppressed, and thank you for helping us at ECF. Amen.